Thank you for the privilege of inviting us, Nicole and I. A privilege to just know this couple, this, be involved with this church. We kind of planted similar time to you, and we don't lead that church anymore. We've handed over, and now we're just traveling again. And just to come in here and be involved, just to see. Uh, we, we, we knew you long before you had this building, and uh, when you were working your way through stuff. And the good news is you're still working your way through stuff, and you're ready. You're going to work your way through stuff till Jesus Christ comes back. And I think at times as Christians or followers of Jesus, we get so caught up in the journey that we forget there is a destination. But this journey continues till Christ comes back or till we go be with Him. And so we go through seasons. How many of you know that? And we are adjusting now. Fall is coming. Like it or not, I love summer. I'm into fall for a bit. I don't like the leaves. I hate all that stuff because it's hard work and... uh, you know, my children haven't grown up here, so we're trying to teach them, you've got to go and help me with these leaves and snow, and I'm just not used to it. I have a funny accent. I'm from Australia. Forgive me. But I'm privileged and proud to be an American. I love this nation. And we have some challenges here, but we do all over the world. And we're blessed to live here, blessed to minister here. And it's a great privilege to be in this church this morning. If you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you please to turn it into Isaiah 41st chapter, Isaiah 41. And we appreciate this partnership. As Mark said, I'm not here, uh, hopefully, as a guest speaker. While I am a guest, perhaps, we are for this church. We're with this church. We're involved. Our friendship is great. We love the friendship here, even with your elders. And we know some of the journey, as I said. But again, just this morning, uh, it's not my job to lay the future before you. It's the leader's job. But I, I do have a role to play in helping them do that. And so I don't come in here as the visionary or the leader. or I come in here as a gift to this church, in a sense, to say, Hey guys, I believe this morning God's wanting to remind us of some of the stuff that He's called this church to, that He birthed you in. Perhaps you're a visitor here this morning, or perhaps that you've recently come in here. You're trying to find your way. Is this where God has you? Or some of you have had the privilege of being here from the beginning. The reality is this. Let me just say this again. Let's walk out the elephant out of the room quickly. People come and people go. It's life. It's reality. Some go for the good seasons. Some go for the good reasons. Some don't. But in it all, our destinies are not wrapped up in each other. I used to believe that. I used to preach that. My destiny is wrapped up in you, and your destiny is wrapped up in me. And then that person got mad at me one day and left my church. Or didn't like what I was saying, or God moved them on, or whatever. And suddenly, does that mean there goes my destiny? Because of a decision made by someone else. I wanted to say, while we are stronger together, while God puts people together for places and times and seasons, it's strategic and it's vital, but your future is not wrapped up in each other. It has to be, and Kara did a great job this morning, of bringing us back to that revelation. Our future is wrapped up in the unchanging one, that's Jesus Christ. Right? Let me just say, if your future is not wrapped up in that, you have no future. You're wasting your time with stuff that comes to an end soon. Christ is unchanging. Hebrews 13 verse 8. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And everything around us is changing, and it's good. And not all good things are changed, but change is with us. It's a guarantee that change is here to stay. But we need to throw our anchor in. And this church, Impact Rock, you need to throw your anchor into Christ, the unchanging one, the plans and the purposes of God. And whatever your season is, say, Lord, we want to serve your plan, your purpose, your life, your destiny, what it is you've called us with these people around us. But we're not linked to them. We're linked to you. And we link each other to Him. And we can fulfill this incredible mandate that God has. I love this church. I love that you birthed in a sense, you were birthed not by some couple who decided to go and do something. If you think Mark and Kara started this church, honestly, friends, this church hasn't got a future that's going to be an eternal future. In actual fact, this church is the devil's strategy, as Kara said, about to take out the children, absolutely. But the devil's strategy has been to take this church out from the beginning. And he will do, do his utmost to do that. Until Christ comes back because of the plan and the purpose of what God intended. So if man births something, it ends. 
But if God gave birth to this, we keep it God, keep it focused on Him, and we keep serving His purpose and understand in it all, God is in full control. And I love that there's a heart for this church that is not just for the people in the church, but for this region. So I've read through Scripture many times and preached. I realize more and more that God doesn't give cities to churches. God is not giving Erie to Impact Rock. He can claim it and pray that He's not giving Colorado to Impact Rock. What God actually does is He gives churches to cities from Scripture to impact them. So they don't there, those people out there are not here for us. God put us here for them. Uh-uh. Now, now that changes how we do church, how we be church, how we do this thing, and ministry matters more because it's not about what they can do for us. It's how do we reach them and impact them for the gospel. And that's been in the heart of this church because God birthed it. That's in the foundation of this church. And see this morning I want to just highlight some more of that and just remind us of the dream. The dream, not your dream, not Mark's dream, God's dream. Because I think, and I'm just an observer, the church, not even by revelation, by pure observation, has lost the God dream and began to live our dream. And you might have a great dream, but honestly, friend, your dream will never compare to the dream of God. And we shrink into what we like and what we're about. And here's the reality. Our culture comes against us. And we begin to shrink back and become what our culture's called us to be, what they will tolerate rather than what God has put us here. And if we are here for them, then we need to be what God called us to be for them. And so in this all, I'm trusting that God will just remind us of these great truths. Isaiah 41, verse 17. I love this. I'm just highlighting some of these key texts. I know you've probably heard me speak on them, and I hope I have shared them before here. If I haven't, forgive me. I should have. Isaiah 41, 17, it says, The poor and the needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I love that truth. That God's saying people are thirsty, people are parched, people are looking, searching, and longing for. And God says, I will answer them, and I will give them what they're searching for and what they're looking for. I love that. And then in verse 18, he says, I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. And I'll turn the desert into pools of water and the parched grounds into springs. Now, that to me speaks of, I will do the impossible. Where there is nothing, I'm going to create something. Where there is desert, I'm going to create rivers of living water, pools of water, streams and flow. Nothing, I'm creating something. I'm going to do some impossible stuff. Now, friends, I don't know where, how you've been. I mean, this is a different place for me. I'm just taking us to the Bible. But, but you've all got background, history, good or bad. Some have brought up in the church. Some have no concept of the church. But here's what I want to do. Say, is that often we limit God to our experience. Or what we were taught. And nothing wrong with what we were taught. But it's limiting. And I'm going to say to you this morning that God is still looking to do the impossible in and through you in this room. So we can be more impactful in this region and this place around us. God is a God of miracles. God is a God of the impossible. And He says, there is nothing, but people are searching, so I'm going to create something. In all of that, this church, Impact Rock Church, boom, birthed. As in a sense, impossible, but God says, I'll make it possible. And so the thing is this, this began with God, not with man. So if this began with God, are you ready? It will always be bigger than us. We're going to have to, in this next season, continue to take steps of faith, not flesh, not feeling, faith, to continue to fulfill the God dream that He's given to you. It's going to come, not by what He did in the past, but by steps of faith into the future. And if I can be straight up with you this morning, it's not going to be based on the leadership's faith alone. It's going to be on those who God handpicked to be here to say, will we carry this, not for them, for Him, and trust Him, not just trust them. Friends, I know this isn't new, but I'm hoping to rattle and rock our world. The pastor's role is to comfort the disturbed. 
My role is to disturb the comfortable. And so that's why I don't get liked everywhere, but it's okay. I had the privilege of leading churches. I'm not coming in as your pastor. I'm coming just to say, look, the Lord wants to shake all of us because He loves us into a great inheritance so we can be the gift to this city and this region. That's Impact Rock. People come, people go, but the plans and the purposes of God stand. Get involved with what God's doing in this time and in this season. All right? God began this, not man. So you're going to have to continue. You ready for finances? Let me just tell you for a moment. If we're doing what God called us to do, are you ready? We're going to always feel significant financial pressure. Now, I know that goes against the grain of the prosperity message. What I want to say to you is, we do what God's called us to do. We don't have the money to do it. God has to be the one who gives us. Too many churches. And churches are not just the buildings. They're the people. Live by budgets rather than by the will of God. Okay. I'm trying. I'm not here to take up an offering. We've done that. I'm here to say this. You'll never have enough money to do what God's called this church to do. Even if you have a trillion dollars, which apparently exists because of our debt, we have that. A trillion dollars in your bank account. I want to say this. It's not enough for what God has called this church to. I'm not here to shrink us. I'm here to say, trust God. Are we living by what God says or by our budgets? So that does come back to you. It's not can we afford this. It's did God say it? And if He said it, we can do it. If He didn't say it, you can't do it, even if you have enough money. So the good news is, you're never going to be bankful. And it's always trusting God and resourcing with what we have and allowing God to do the rest. I love that, don't you? Isn't that good news? Can I say in this season? And I know that in this season, we're going to have to be way more passionate of what we stand for than what we stand against. We just had an election. We still, some people are still trying to get over it, right? I'm amazed. And I'm not talking politics. I'm just telling you, I've been amazed to see how the church in this nation has fought against each other based on our president. We've actually divided what God put together because of our opinions and our attitudes of who got in and who didn't get in and how he got in and all this. I want to just say this. He's our president. Love him. Pray for him. But get on with what God's called us to the church to do. And let's begin to stand for stuff and not stand against. If you want to model your life around Christ, Christ didn't walk everywhere, go everywhere and stand against everything like the church does. Jesus stood for things. And when he stood for things, people knew what he was against. But he was drawing people to him by what we stand for. I think the church in America is known what we stand against. But no one really knows what we stand for. And this season requires this church as individuals to begin to stand for stuff, not stand against everything out there. God is not against everything. He sent his son for. And we need to highlight what we stand for. Nail your colors to the mast. Let people know what, re- what this church, Impact Rock Church, stands for. And I want to tell you, people will come running to a place that has something they're standing for, not everything they're standing against. I believe we're going to have to also choose whether we want to please the insiders or reach outsiders. I want to say you can't do both. Church is about me and my thing. and No, no, it's about us. Being, remember we said we're a gift to them. God put us here because He loved this region to reach this region. So I want to say if we please Him, God will add. But many people say, well, we don't like that. We, no, no, friends, we're not here to please the insiders. We're here to reach outside. But in this season, I believe God wants to bring a whole lot more people into His kingdom, into the church, through this church, of different kind, different looking, different... But God wants to save those people and add them to this church in this next season. But are you willing? Would you be willing? Not because they want it, because God's called us to this. just want to highlight this too. There's a constant pressure on this leadership team and on this church like every other church in our nation to copy the success world 
of the church at the expense of what God's called us to do. Are you there? Some meaningful people in this room, no doubt, keep handing Mark books. Everywhere I go, people hand me books. And I'm not anti-books, but the books always have a, an angle they want me to take. Especially and after I've preached something, someone says, oh, you know what, that was so good. You should read this book. It's exactly what you preach. And it's exactly opposite what I've just preached. Because they want me to go that way rather than that way. And I'm meaningful. Meaningful. But we're trying to buy into the success world of the church at the very expense of who God called us to be. Are you there, friends? I'm sure you want this church to be something, and I'm sure they do. And, but we want to be who God called us to be, because if we're not who God called us to be, we are fake. Now are you talking? Fake news? All we hear about is fake news. But let's talk about fake church. You want to know what a fake church is? A church that's not authentic to who God called that church to be and the individuals in this room. And too many are trying to be like each other and we want to be like the church down the road and we want the ministries of the church down the road and we're going to leave the church if we don't have... So we're trying to be all this, friends, and I understand the heart's good, but we're no longer who God called us to be. And we wonder why God can't bless because God will not bless fake. And as a dad, I have three sons. Nicole and I are privileged to have three teenagers. And it's hard work. And they're boys. It's even more hard, I think. Sorry, ladies. But, but one of the most irritating things for me as a dad is to see my sons try and be someone else. It's almost, forgive me, an insult to me as a dad. I'm insulted that my boys are trying to be like Joel Houston or this dude or that dude. And I love that they are Christian models. They try, they're modeling their life up to Christian leaders. But they have to be true to be who they are. And I'm going to keep trying to tell them, you're not that. You're this. You're Joel. You're Joshua. You're the Daniel. You're not a whatever else. And I'm glad that you... But be free, son. My job is to keep you free. Yet we do that to the Lord all the time. I want to be Him. I want to be like her. I want to be, or I want this church to be another. And we start buying into the cultural lie of success, actually at the extent of what it is God called this church to. So you've got to get free, stay free, keep free, and keep authentic, because that's what Jesus blesses a church that is authentic. We can learn from everyone, but we should not become everyone. We should become more like Christ. Let's read on. Stay authentic if you didn't get that. Verse 19. He's going on, he said, So there's nothing, I'll create something. I'll put rivers in barren heights and all this amazing stuff. In verse 19 he says, And I'll put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. And I'll set junipers in the wasteland and the fir and the cypress together. Again, can I stop there and say, I Forgive me, preachers shouldn't say this, but I have no idea what that means. And I've studied it, trying to find out. And the theologians have their ideas. And, but this I can tell you about that text we just read. Are you ready? Number one, those trees, shrubs, and bushes, they don't all belong in the desert. And number two, they don't all belong together. If you're a green thumb this morning, you would have to agree with that because I've studied and checked it out. They don't all belong in the desert and they don't all belong together. So why is that important? Let's walk another elephant out of the room. Are you ready? What we do here this morning, look around. This is not natural. This is not natural. Young, old, different color, different color. This doesn't... This is, there's nothing natural about us sitting in a building and area on a Sunday morning doing what we do with people like this in this room. Listening to some dude who claims to be American with a funny accent. It does, this is not natural. And it's a good thing that it's not natural because if this was natural, it wouldn't look like this, it wouldn't act like this, and it would be an absolute mess. But the downside is that most churches lose the dynamic of the divine plan of God. And when you lose the divine nature of what we're called to, we begin to look around at each other and become this obsession with the things we don't like about each other. And very quickly, you know what happens, friends? We begin to arm wrestle and fight each other at the expense of we are here for them. Suddenly, we don't like each other and we up and leave. 
Now, I know, friends. Now, I'm, I'm going to step on toes. And this is why Mark only invites me like every 10 years. Or what? I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to challenge some of the culture and the thinking that's messing up what God has for us and them. And I'm not frustrated. I'm like, God is such important time for us. The urgency of the hour. I don't know, care what you think about Donald Trump. This I want to say about Donald Trump is he's opened the door for the church to go big in this season. We were going underground with all due respect. Now we're above ground and we might only have three years left. So we better go big, go not proud, but go loud and unapologetic because who knows what the future holds. But we have a moment in time right now to actually be the church God's called us to be. So then let's go big. Let's get nonsense knocked and moved aside and my cultural understanding. And what is it God's called us to do? So this notion of, I don't know if I fit in here. Well, I've just told you, you don't. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you, I don't know if we fit in. We don't feel like we fit in. Good! God puts these shrubs, trees and bushes that don't belong together. And some of those, thorns are, some of those trees and bushes are thorns. Do you know that? Thorn bushes. Who, put your hand up if you're the thorn bush here. We'll tell you who you are if you don't put your hand up. They, some of you in this room are thorn bushes and you prickly and you irritate and, you're, and if you take your eyes off the divine plan of God, you begin to hate each other and dislike. Are you there? Some of you, are the, it's, it's the cedars and the acacia, the sweet smelling. Who do you think you are? Probably the thorn bushes if you put your hand up. You're not the sweet smeller, you're the thorn bush. So I'm just having fun at your expense. But the point I'm making is that in all of this, we don't belong. It's not natural. I look at the team I lead, the churches that I've led, the people I'm connected to. It's not by choice that the majority of the people I'm connected to, would I would not naturally connect if it were not for the plan and purpose of God. And so that's a good thing. And it's a right thing. And the more diverse this is, it's not trying to be diverse. Keep it diverse and allow God to add different kinds of shrubs, trees, and bushes. Why? Because it goes on and says, ultimately, look here in verse 20, so that people may see and know. They may consider and understand. What? That Mark's great leadership Kara and Mark put you all together so wonderfully and kept you. No, no, for the display of the Lord's splendor. Not some great strategy, not some great church. God puts stuff together, puts people together that don't belong together, but He puts us together and He says, I'm going to put you together so those people out there may see, may know, may consider and understand that it's the hand of the Lord that has done this. I'm telling you, friends, your future is not bright if you've lost the divine nature of what you do here this morning and who you are in this room together. Can I step on more toes while I'm here? Are you ready? I'm amazed and I understand it. And I'm a husband and a father. My wonderful wife, I'm speaking with my wife sitting right here and my three sons who are in another church. They're involved in that church. That's why they're not here this morning. But, but let me say this. I'm amazed as a husband and a father how many of us as husbands and fathers allow our spiritual destiny to be dictated by where our children are happy in the church. I knew this is the, this is the ultimate. Who, how dare preachers say this? I'm saying it because it's real. Well, if my kids are happy in this church, then I'll just learn to be happy. Now, understand, I mean, if we could just get happy kids in church, then that's like a miracle. I get that. But you know, I want to ask you, husband, father, would you allow your four-year-old son or daughter to determine what house you buy based on their happiness in a house that you've looked at? Or would you make a decision as a husband or father, where should we live? You can see the looks I'm getting. I, we just need to get this set If God puts you here, your four-year-old son or daughter is going to fit in. You need to decide under God where God's put you and you live there and you base yourself. And if you're where God wants you to be, guess what? Your children will be incredibly happy regardless of what they express the day you arrive. 
You know, when we relocated to this country, we left Australia. I was leading a mega church, a big church. I'm not talking, trying to show off with numbers, but I'm talking a big church with big building, a full paid staff, 12 full-time pastors. I mean, we had a kids' ministry that was off the charts. It was unbelievable. We had their own facilities. We had teachers. And I want to tell you this. God said, move to Denver, Colorado. We had never been here, and we knew no one here. So what about my three sons? And people prophesied. We were in Malaysia. What's that got to do with Denver? I was in Malaysia preaching. People say, it's the best move for your sons. What? We're leaving everything to go to nothing. We don't know one person and there's no kids there. Well, we're glad they are now. But But I want to tell you honestly, friends, it's the best move we've ever done in the place of what our kids are involved in. Why? Because they find their way when you settle where God's called you to go. I'm not your pastor here, so don't be mad. Be mad at me, not at them. But this needs to be said because too many guys are hijacking their God-given future as husbands, fathers, and the church is missing out because we're happy when our kids are happy. Can I get in more trouble? Gee. I mean, you think I'm a caveman. I'm just trying to be Bible and here's my wife. You know, I'm amazed. You know, we talk about happy wife, happy life. Have you heard that, husbands? And wives are like, yeah, yeah, no, wrong. It's wrong. I mean, I know I'm in trouble. There's my wife. She knows this is wrong because it's not true. We like it because it's culturally good. Just keep your wife happy and everything's good. You'll be happy. Your kids will be... Just make her happy. Is that right? Imagine Jesus. God said, here's your... Hey, Abraham. I mean, uh, Adam, here's your call. And by the way, keep your wife happy. Well, you will never be keeping your wife happy if you're doing what I've called you to do. Really? Okay, so, so my mother... Who's a woman? I was just saying. As a woman. So I was standing with a bunch of friends and, she, and one of my friends was saying, happy wife, happy life. And this was recent. My mother went up to him and said, don't say that anymore. That's not true. Now this is coming from a lady. She said, I want to tell you this, a fulfilled husband. And I'm not talking, forgive me for being candid, not sexually, when everything fulfilled. I'm, she's saying, a fulfilled husband in the will of God makes a happy wife, which makes a happy life. Because women, honestly, it's God's plan. It's not men will be happy if their wives are happy, and wives won't be happy if their husbands are happy, and children won't be happy if we are happy. If we fulfilled in where God has called us to be, everyone will find their place, and we will be a display for the Lord's splendor. But we up and go. We're unhappy. My wife's not happy. My kids aren't happy. You want better kids ministry? They are everywhere around here. Sorry, Mark. It's true. There are way better churches than this church when it comes to facility. And this is a great facility. But you could find bigger. You can find much better. And again, I'm not saying those things are bad. But if that's what determines where you're going to settle in the purpose and plan of God, well, good luck to your future friend. Because you're settling for happiness in your home, which will never e- will end in an absolute disaster. We've got to say, where's God called me? So I want to say to you this morning, you've got to settle. God put you here, and you will fit in, even if you don't feel like you're fitting in, because He put you here to fit. So make it work. Rather than, mm, not so excited about this, not so happy. It doesn't matter. It's prickly pears, prickly bushes, we need you. Cedar, we need you. Acacia, we need you. But we need you all for the display. Is this okay? Aren't you glad? None of you are coming tonight now. Suddenly you're going to watch that game, aren't you? But uh, it's okay, Mark. You can change anything you want, but then it's not biblical. He didn't ask me to say this. I, I, I'm just, it's observation globally, but in America especially. Wives, are you mad at me? This is my wife. She's not mad. She's happy, right? No, she's full of joy because she's a husband. I'm serious. Women, ah, women, cavemen, you cavemen, you from Australia, you guys. No, no, this is in the Bible. If we just stop playing this game and keeping each other, I want to tell you, your your children will thrive. You want to know, fathers, can I give you a piece of advice? I'm not an expert in this. I'm learning. You want to give your kids a future. The best thing as husbands and fathers is to tell our, show our children that we obey God. Obedience to God is the best. I know the whole thing of if you, the best gift I can give to my children is to love my wife. I get that. But there's something even greater in that because in loving my wife is part of obedience. But to choose to obey God, no matter what, is the greatest gift I can give to my sons, knowing that they will outlive me. And if I'm obedient, and they've seen the fruit of obedience, 
they're going to stay obedient to God the Father. Which is, I believe, the best gift we can give our sons and daughters. Okay, it's alright. Let's move on to some easier stuff. You ready? So just as we dream and land this crash, and I haven't given you one point yet. I dream, the God dream of this church is, number one, a church that is captivated by Jesus. You say, oh, Tyron, that's kind of a bit far-fetched. What do you mean captivated? Yeah, captivated. Captivated by Jesus. Not by the call, not by the mission, by Christ Himself. Captivated. I've often used this illustration. When Leonardo da Vinci, the great painter, who painted the great paintings, and I'm not one of those, forgive me, I'm trying to learn, I'm not very cultural, I'm trying to be, but, but his... Leonardo da Vinci's painting of um, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, apparently was his number one most amazing crown of his creation, as it were, painting. And that painting, uh, how many of you have seen the painting of the, the Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper or The Lord's Supper? Great painting, apparently. I... But they say that before he went public after painting, three and a half years to paint that, before he made it public to the world, he called a couple of his mates to come and friends and said, come check out what I've painted. And, and apparently they were so enamored and wowed by what they saw. And what they were raving about was the cup in the hand of Jesus. And they kept saying, gee, that cup is so attractive and so beautiful. And eventually Leonardo da Vinci took his pe- paintbrush and painted over the hand of Jesus and took the cup out of the hands of Jesus. And his friends said to him, what are you doing that for? And he said, nothing must ever stand or take away from the figure of Christ. And that original painting had something in the hands of Jesus. Today, that painting, Jesus' hands are empty in that painting. Why is that? Because Leonardo da Vinci did not want people to be drawn to the cup in the hand of Christ. Are you hearing this, church? You see, we get so busy with good stuff, even stuff in his hand. We get so busy with church stuff. Suddenly the lights came on. You see that? And then... Come on on, bring it on. And maybe am I supposed to stay here now? Is that what you're telling me? Okay. But, but, but we get so busy with good stuff, church stuff and ministry and songs and, that we actually miss the purpose of it all, the figure that represents it all. And it's so easy. It's the, I believe the number one strategy of the devil is to get us busy with all this God stuff at the expense of Christ. Because only Christ can save this nation. Only Christ is the one who took out the devil. And so the devil gets us busy with all this other stuff. Good stuff. Maybe even God stuff. But when it's not the figure of Christ, the reality of it all, we lose our future. That's why as individuals, not the preachers and the leaders, as individuals, we've got to grip our own revelation of Christ and we've got to contend for our own revelation of Jesus Christ. Are you there, friends? Matthew 16, when Jesus began for the first time to talk about the church, He asked the question out there, what are people saying about me? Some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or Elisha or one of the prophets. In other words, they say out there that you're a good man, doing some good stuff. Jesus moved that question from what do they say to His followers, to His church. And He said this, Who do you say that I am? What about you in this room this morning? And Peter stood up and said, You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because that did not come to you by man but by my Father in heaven. Flesh and blood didn't give you that, my Father. God gave Peter that revelation of Jesus. I want to tell you, God still wants to give individuals in this room, not just the world, the church, the revelation of Christ, of who He is. And it's the very first time ever that Jesus then begins to talk about the church. Interesting for me is that until you know who I am, I can't tell you who you are. And the biggest question in the world today and even in the church is who am I and what am I called to and what's my purpose? And Jesus said, hey Peter, now that you know who I am, revealed to you by revelation from my Father, let me tell you who you are. And by the way, let me tell you about the church I'm building. He never mentioned the church till they got the revelation of Him first. Yet the church is so busy with church that we've lost the revelation of Christ. Can I say to you this morning, friends, Do you want to know who the head of this church is? Jesus. 
And a body without a head is a corpse. Corpse. What does that mean? Dead. But You want to know why I think there's a lot of life missing in the church today? Because we've lost our head. Oh yeah, Jesus is the, but the head of the church and we're the heart. No, no, He's the head of the church. He's the heart of this church. You're not the heart. He's the heart. See how it can sound like you? Sounds funny, doesn't it? He's the head of this church. He's the heart of this church. Yeah, that's how funny you all sound. Mark. Mark. Rock. Sorry. My wife's American too. Don't get mad. Okay. And I'm American. I'm proud. All right. And my kids are too. So So he's the head of this church. He's the heart. But he's also, we'll move on. He's the hope. Not just of the nations, which we love to tell. We need to go and tell the world about Jesus because he's the only hope. No, no, the church needs some revelation of hope. Guess who your hope is? Not this great leader, not this preacher. Christ. Your faith in them, you're finished. Should back your leaders. Imitate their way of life. But your faith better be in Christ and Christ alone. Are you there, friend? A.W. Tozer said this. Worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than the Christ within us. The church is so culturally relevant today that we have no reflection of Christ within us. We need not the word, not Christ to become more like us. We need to become more like Him. Therefore, this church's only future is based on a church. The dream God has for this church is a church captivated by Jesus Christ. You know, friends, the core dysfunction of religion is having our eyes on us rather than having our eyes on Jesus. That's the core dysfunction of religion. Us, us, us. But what liberates us and makes us not religious is our relationship with Jesus. So if you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus, we're becoming religious very quickly. And He didn't put us here for those thirsty people to find religion. He put us here for those thirsty people to find life in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Amen? And so that's the key to this church as any other church. Just quickly, I want to just say, can I just throw it? Just give you the bullet points and Number one, no, don't say that. I could go until this evening. Then they won't come tonight. So really, a church captivated of Jesus by Jesus. Secondly, a church committed to God's word. I guarantee the majority of you in this room would say, "Yeah, of course, Amen." Not of course, but it should be Amen. I want to tell you, friends, straight up, we are taking our agenda from our culture, from our government, or from our upbringing, but we're not necessarily taking it from the Word of God. There's a scripture in Psalm 119. You know that long one about the Word of God? It's that long one that I was trying to learn one day. I can't learn. It's too long. But there's a verse 89 of Psalm 119, which is one of my favorite in that. And it says this, Your Word is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. You know what that means? If it's settled in heaven forever. Well, then it's settled here on earth forever. And there is this unfortunate uh, invasion into the church today that kind of says, look, the Bible stuff is good, was good, and we get it. But there are other stuff we can do, and there's new things we can do, and, and I'm all for the new ways, but I'm not anyway considering that we can move from the will of God and the Word of God. Friends, it's the sanity for this. It's the standard for this church. If these leaders, they are good people, but they people. If they get you to do stuff that's not in the Bible, God has not called you to do that. We all have the standard, the same Word of God, and we should bring it and read it. And I love that we put stuff up here, but I hope you don't just see stuff up here. You're feeding yourself. You're reading the Word of God. You're filling your life with the Word of God. It's God's Word, not some book of old that we say the great book. People in this room might say, well, I don't hear God speak because you're not going to His Word for Him to speak. 
If you're only hearing God on a Sunday once a, month, once a week for an hour at the most, if you really can tolerate preachers, you are in serious trouble when it comes to your walk with the Lord and your future. Are you there, my friends? The Word of God. We've got to stay true, committed. I know it's not culturally relevant. I know it's getting harder and harder for us as a Christian group, as a people of God, to stick to the Word. I understand that there's an accusation. And in our region, in this region, it's no longer can we say, well, the law says we can't. No. What do we have the Bible say? Because the law is endorsing everything the Bible says we shouldn't do. It used to be easy as a parent to say, well, it's illegal. So it's good. You can't do it. Now it's all legal. How do we handle that? I don't know. Go to the Word of God and not bring legalism. Bring revelation from what the Word of God is. Friends, we've got to learn it. We've got to read it. We've got to meditate on it. And can I say, we need to die to it. If the Word of God in your life don't line up, guess what needs to die? Your life. You Okay. He knows best. I love the Word of God. I tell you what, it's not a bad thing. It's awesome. God's Word. And this church, you've got to stay committed to what God says, not what America says. Because I believe when we have abandoned doctrine and truth, we don't get a liberal Christianity. We get a whole new religion that is perverted by man. And ultimately, it takes out the supremacy and the authority and preeminence of Jesus Christ. And that's the enemy's strategy. We play into this thing of liberal Christianity, and we don't need the Bible, and we kind of go with what God's doing today. God's doing what He's always been doing, and He's not going to change His Word regardless of how we feel. And you've got to pray that you, these elders, these pastors, are contending for God's Word, and they are preaching God's Word. And if you're yawning through God's Word, well, then you have lost your love for God. And I'm sorry I'm being straight with us, but I don't like the preaching. It's too biblical. What else? You know storytelling? Can I? I, I, I'm glad. And people say, oh, Jesus tells stories. Yeah, but they had a point. And the point wasn't, look how awesome my story is. The point was always the same point. Pointing people to God and to the kingdom. And so his storytelling was using illustrations that people could identify with, but he didn't change his story to make it more attractive. So we go to church and people tell me, I like story. You too much like preach. I like to go hear stories. Well, then you should go read a kid's book. I'm sorry, friends. Honestly, Jesus didn't leave us a children's book and I'm not anti You with me? This is God speaking to His people through His Word. We need His Word, not what Mark comes up with. What did Mark have for us today? What does God have for us today? If Mark's not telling you in the Bible, after the meeting, you don't just leave. Because remember, He put you here. You go to Mark and say, Mark, we need some Word, bro. Please help us. Bring us to the Word again. The stuff you're saying, my heart's good. Make sure your heart's good. If it's not, then don't say it's good. But come and just say, hey, bro, just help us kind of see this in the Scriptures. Okay, great. Well, I didn't grow up with this. It doesn't matter because the stuff we grow up with, even in church, is, not, is missing a lot of Scripture. <laughs> so where to go? I want to just say what we emphasize, what we emphasize must have a biblical backing. You go read Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11. It speaks about the Word is perfect. It refreshes the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Speaking of the Word of God, not legalism and condemnation. You want joy. You want spirit. You, you want a, a refreshing of your soul. The Word of God. Fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and altogether righteous. I mean, friends, we, this is good news. And I want to just remind us, church, the Word of God is a mirror before it's a lens. See, some of you are really ticked off at me right now because of what I've said. But you've got to understand that this is a mirror before it's a lens. We get mad at pastors and preachers because they're honest. Well, do you know that I have to read the same Word? And the stuff I'm saying to you, I have to say to me first. Do you understand that? It's, and to, to say it is not as easy as to hear it. Because you're going to get tested more on then hearing it. 
And so don't forget it's a mirror first, which means I don't like what I always see in the mirror. Do you? Well, you must. But, but for me, I mean, I'm not trying to be rude now. You know, if you've got a big zit or a thing on your nose, and I have one this morning, just so you know. But if you've got a big zit, forgive me for being crude, but I'm trying to make a point here. If I've got a big zit on my nose, teenagers have a lot of those. Remember that? And you look in the mirror and you go, oh, that's gross. You don't like what you see, but you see it for a reason. And the reason is, pop it. Deal with what's on your nose. Rather than look at it and go, oh, that's gross. And by the way, walk around telling everyone else, you shouldn't have zits on your nose. And you've got this big zit on your nose. That's the church today, right? We really, oh, I'm going to better go tell others what I just read. You, you, you deal with the stuff first because that's more attractive to those people out there to go, actually, I see you living it rather than telling us to, but look, not looking in the mirror. I tell you what, it'll clean up the church a lot quicker if we actually see it. What about getting there with some of that? Now let's go help others get rid of the zits on their nose until we get the stuff dealt with me. Now don't get offended because I'm taking the holy word and I'm just using an illustration. It's a mirror. We've taken it almost as a lens or a, or a sword to fight everyone except to deal with the stuff in our life. You want to attract people? Be real, authentic, and live what the Word of God says. Thirdly, quickly, a, a church convicted and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Man, I wish I could stay with this text and this point, but I, I just want to tell you this. What you've been called to, this dream we're talking about, cannot happen without the Holy Spirit. Regardless of your upbringing or your bad experience of who the Holy Spirit is. We sang this song. I wanted to grab the mic again when we're singing the song about where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Great truth. But I want to tell you, there's not freedom in this room. And the Holy Spirit is here right now. Why is that? Because it doesn't just mean the Holy Spirit's there, therefore you're free. How many of you been to Detroit? Detroit's an interesting place. And we just planted a church there. And I want to tell you, it's a major... And there's a, there's a, 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 a resurgence and a, a restoration coming back to that region. But you know that uh, my friend who's planted there, he took us, Nicole and I went and ministered at that church plant. And they took us to the main downtown and the area right on the water there. And there's a, it's called the Spirit of, of the Spirit of Detroit. And it's 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That's the spirit of Detroit. Let me tell you, that does not represent Detroit. It's the most liberal city I think I've visited, but in all bad stuff. Which has caused it to become a mess. And they still talk of it as the spirit of Detroit. And I looked at that statue and I thought, let me tell you, that's not what it says. Because a lot of people say, well, if the spirit is there, then we have freedom, right? And that's what we claim, but it's not necessarily... I believe the text. The text, 2 Corinthians 3.17, is in the context of Lord. This is important. I know you've heard me say this, but it's important for us to not just sing a song and go home thinking we're free, because you're not free because you sang a song, or even declared a truth. I believe what it's actually saying is, because it's in the context of Lord, I believe what that text is saying, Paul writes, he's saying, whether now the Lord is the Spirit... And I believe what he's saying is, and where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. The Spirit is right here, right now. He's everywhere according to Scripture. He's all over this region, this nation, and the, He's in this room. He is. We don't do it. I wonder if He's here. He is here. The Bible says God gave. The early church was birthed in power, and God never took His power away. The Holy Spirit is with us right here, right now. But not everyone's free in this room. Why is that? Because we haven't yielded to the Spirit as Lord. It's not I acknowledge Him, it's I yield to Him. Now, some of us, straight up, like me, have had bad experience with the Spirit. I've grown up in the church where they pushed me over and all this nonsense. I've had it all. Let me tell you, I've seen it all and I've had it all. That Toronto stuff, that was nothing but what I used to see. And I'm going to be honest, that didn't attract me. That scared me away from God. Because I'm authentic. I want real. So I got to a place where I was saying, listen, I want authentic or nothing. So therefore, I'm going for nothing. Because it's more convenient to have nothing. But if you have nothing, you know what you have? Flesh. You know what flesh does? Nothing. Except get in the way of spirit. 
I'm sure you've had a bad experience. Some of you are trying to get your head around because this Western culture of ours, we have to get our head around everything before we can actually endorse anything. That's true. Until I understand it, I'm not going to pursue it. Well, let me tell you, I don't understand. I know that we've got some builders in this room, but I don't understand. If I press a button over there, a light goes on here. I can understand electrodes and all that stuff, but I, I don't have to understand how it all works for me to use it. I use the light everywhere I go, even though I don't understand how it works. If you've got to understand how that all works, well, then you're probably still walking in the dark. I'm not saying give your brains away when you come to Jesus. But I am saying we don't have to understand all this stuff and have a great experience before we'll... If it's in the Bible, we go for it. If it's not, we stay away from it. And I know there's a lot of weird stuff in the church. I get that. And the strange fire stuff, I've heard all about it too and I've seen it. But can I just tell you this? If you... Oh, we just claim we're all biblical. We believe the Bible. Well, there's more biblical backing for strange fire. There's no scripture in the New Testament for no fire in the church today. Now, I'm, I know that some of you, well, oh, can I just, and this is a whole series, and I've preached on this many times, so I'm, Mark's fault, just go to him, he'll tell you how to do it. But, but I really want to say, stop being so conservative when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He's God, you can trust Him. He's not some floating spirit we tuck in and grip and He's God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You and I can't function in what God has for us. If you think, well, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit, well, then you're not saved. Do you know that the Holy Spirit's a major player in your salvation? You have the Holy Spirit right now if you're saved. But it's this empowering to fulfill what He's called us to. We've got to embrace it more and more. And can I just add that the early church was not just Spirit-filled. A lot of people say, well, we're Spirit-filled, but we're doing our own thing. I'm filled with the Spirit, but now we carry on with our own life and our own agenda as the church. It was Spirit-filled, Spirit-moved, and Spirit-sent. And we're going to preach all three, not just I'm Spirit-filled, but I'm doing my own thing. I'm led by the Spirit. Are you led by... You can't be Spirit-filled if you're not led by the Spirit. This church needs to be led by the Spirit, not just by leaders. Leaders who are led by the Spirit, you're led by the Spirit, because you're empowered by the Holy Spirit and fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. We're not going to win this world by criticizing it. We are going to, by demonstrating His power and presence in and through our lives, every day, through manifestation, but also through the Holy Spirit guiding and leading us into all truth. Purity. Some of us struggle, let's be honest, even as Christians with sin in our lives. So how can that be? Because we're trying to, we all know the Bible says don't sin. So most of us go home feeling bad, or that's why maybe we don't read the Bible, because we know it says don't sin and we feel bad. Let me just tell you, you can't get rid of sin in your life without the Holy Spirit. You can confess it, you can do your thing, you can try your hardest to get it out of you, but it's the Holy Spirit who's holy. Who's the purifier, not Casper the friendly ghost. He's the purifier. Fire, holy. When you partner, walk with Him, He burns this nonsense and helps us to break up. Friends, I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is more than some manifestation. He's God who walks with us, leads us, and guides us. And He's the paraclete. He comes alongside us. He's the comforter. Not your leaders. The Holy Spirit. And we need Him more and more in this time and in this season. I have to land. I've got a whole bunch more. But hey, maybe one day I can come and finish this. I want to honor your time. Let's just close our eyes. Can I just pray for us? Is that okay, Mark? I dream of a church obsessed with Jesus. Dream of a church committed to God's Word. A church empowered by the Holy Spirit. A church of compassion, friends. People care for other people. Understand God put us together for them to reach them. A church who will, please hear me, deal with issues when we have them. I have to just say this if I can and then I'm going to pray. 
Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. I feel this. I, I don't know why. I just feel like I have to emphasize this. We talked about everybody being put together. It's amazing that if we carry issues with each other, and we have every reason to have issues, I'm sure, but if you carry issues with each other in this room, do you know that you can hinder the progress of the gospel? I don't know about you, but I want my life to count. But the one thing I definitely don't want it is to hinder, get in the way of what God's trying to do here. And maybe it's legit things you say, well, I have the reason to be mad or bitter. or Well, you don't really, friend, because you're hindering what God's trying to do. Somewhere we've just got to move on and get healed. It's amazing in Scripture. Just keep your eyes closed if you don't mind. Paul would write letters to the church. Someone would stand up and read. Hey, we got a letter from Paul. Everyone come together and we begin to read. Hey, greetings and blessings in the name of the Lord and all this great stuff. And, and then while he's reading it, he'd say, and tell this guy to stop doing this. He's hindering the progress of the gospel. Say, so, well, why did he do that? Because he cared about what God wanted to do in them and with them. He didn't run over and say, hey, everybody take a break. I need to just talk to this guy. He just read it out publicly. Why? Because this is a big deal. I want to say, friends, I ask you please, not for me, but for what God's called you to, this church to, and this region to, would you deal with your stuff this morning? The offense or the issue or the mistrust or maybe even the leaders have let you down. The sad thing and the reality is they will do that again and again because they're people. Maybe you've been pained by those who've gone or maybe you've been pained by what's happening or maybe you left another church to come here and you hurt. Can you get healed this morning? You can. You would yield. And it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. You don't have the luxury to stay hurt because God put you here for the display of His splendor. If you need to respond to any of this, would you just respond where you are? You don't have to stand up or put your hand up. Just This is your business between you and the Lord. But would you just respond? Settle. God, you've put me here. You've put us here. If you've said this, you've put us here, then our family will thrive. It's not going to be easy, but they'll thrive. I'm not going to question this anymore. I need to move into what you've called us to and be a part of what you've called us to in this season. I've carried stuff. I want to ask you, Lord, this morning, would you forgive me and I forgive those people? Even if they, they were wrong, I say, Lord, I forgive them. Help me move on. When it comes to the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you've shut off or shut down or are nervous of this bad experience. Would you open your heart this morning and say, now the Lord is the Spirit. And when I yield to the Lord as the Spirit, the Spirit as Lord, there is freedom that comes this morning. Jesus, we love you. We want to be enamored by you. We want to be captivated by you, but these things are stopping us. We ask this morning, would you remove the obstacles? Remove the stuff. Would you fill us? Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh this morning? Not some theory, but reality. We make space for you. We trust you as God. Would you help us reveal Christ? Would you show Christ to us? Would you empower us in this time and this season? Thank you for our history. No matter how it was, it was good, bad, or just was. Today's a new day and this is a new season and we need to shake the dust off. We need to shake off some of the stuff. Cut some of the stuff of old because this season is a season to run. Into, not away from, into the things of God. Father, would you bless these people in this room. Bless this church. Unite this church around you, Christ. Pray for courageous leadership in this season. Not crazy, courageous. Who will do the things. These leaders will lead 
into what you've called them to lead. Unapologetic, with grace, with wisdom from heaven, but not apologizing. Pray for Mark and Kara. Pray for their family in this season that you'll strengthen them for this next season. Fresh faith and courage. What was, let it go for what is. Pray for the eldership team. Pray for potential new people, new leaders in this room to step in. Not say choose me, but step in to use me, Lord. Pray you'll add in this season to this church. More people, multiply, plant churches, strengthen, and take more ground in this time and season. It's a season of taking ground. Taking ground. So people in love with Jesus, staying true to the Word of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name.